Welcome. Special episode, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Jordan Hagedorn. We're going to talk about the differences between football card collecting and basketball card collecting and, and kind of valuation anomalies and experience that we've both seen. We represent different uh, aspects of the, of the industry. I'm kind of the old guard and uh, Jordan is a young Turk. So we're going to bat that around. But first, thanks sponsors, Topps Panini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, ComC.com, as well as Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Pretty much all the sponsors deal with basketball and football. So Jordan, why is it that basketball is emerging as uh, more top of mind in the in the uh, in the eyes of collectors nowadays? Uh, you being this this uh, amazing Brett Favre collector, but you also have a lot of basketball interests and baseball too. But you know what what do you see, or how can you explain? the anomalies that I think are out there in terms of the way basketball cards are appreciated and football cards are appreciated of the same years and stature of players, perhaps. So well, it starts, it starts with Michael Jordan. And, and then from there, the game of basketball is global. So you have these global fans, you have European and Asian and a lot of different collectors that love Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, those three stars are head and shoulders above a lot of people when it comes to being cultural icons that have transcended sport. And so you have LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, and then it trickles down to guys like Shaq and Barkley and a lot of really popular 90s players. And then on the other end, you have Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, who are superstars. In the 90s, you have Jerry Rice, Barry Sanders, Brett Favre, guys like that. But I think there's just a popularity that came with Michael Jordan that just transcends everything. And so the trickle down from Jordan to Penny to Kobe uh, just shows that those prices are exponentially more. Um, The Jordan PMG green going for 350,000 compared to football, where Barry Sanders, Brett Favre go for 15 to 20,000 just shows that MJ is, is head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, not only is he head and shoulders above everybody else, he's equal to all, all of them put together and then some. That's what it's like. The, the, would you rather have a complete set of PMGs in football or one Michael Jordan? And I'm guessing some people would say, I just want this grail card. I just want the Jordan because it's, it's uh, you know, un- unbelievable bragging rights. But if you had a complete set of PMGs for, the, for football, I mean, would that not be cool as well? So that's a personal preference as always. But as you know, the market in basketball is just exponentially bigger yeah. because of Jordan. He was the most popular popular athlete of the 90s and maybe all time. Yeah. Well, um, football is uh, still very, very popular. And uh, I I believe up until recently, there were a lot more football cards produced than, than, than basketball. And so then basketball has the scarcity. But nowadays, the supply of basketball has, I believe, really, really increased in the last couple of years. And I don't have you know, actual data from my friends at Panini, but there's, there's basketball cards all over the place now. Yeah. You can see from the pop report alone that a lot of the Zions and Lucas, just the prism silver alone being graded PSA 10 PSA nine is just astronomical compared to some of the scarce cards from the nineties. Yeah. In the nineties, you have some of those sets that uh, Fleer and the metal and some of these uh, companies that are defunct now, but they were doing case inserts with the same insertion ratios for football as basketball. And yet the basketball, the average guy, not just the Jordan, but the average guy seems like a lot more expensive than the average football guy. Or do you- well, those, when you look at PMGs and some of the rare inserts, you have Michael Jordan, that one went for 350. Now that might go for 600,000 if it came back up again, maybe a million. And then you have Kobe, which is really expensive, rest in peace. And then you have Tim Duncan, which I believe a green PMG went for 50K. After that, you then kind of level off to Penny, which is probably 30K compared to Barry and Favre, which are 15 to 20K. So I think the top echelon of basketball, after you get past those three, four, five guys, I think it then kind of levels off. But that just shows the 
the amount of people that are in the market for those basketball cards. Okay. So you're, uh, you know, the, um, people always want to say, well, is this, uh, is, is something undervalued is football then undervalued, but then the, the, the flip side is, is basketball overvalued? It's a good question. I think the beauty of the, the hobby is that supply and demand drives it. So we all know there's a couple collectors in basketball that have, I wouldn't say unlimited budget, but they're willing to pay the price for some of these cards. And so it only takes two guys or two collectors to make a card go from hundred K to 400 K just because that one buyer has such an unlimited budget. So you touched on previous episodes, max bidders, shield bidders, things like that. So I think there's just always going to be a handful, even if there's only two or three collectors that are going for a card, that's what drives the price up several thousand dollars compared to football. But as guys in their thirties and people come back into the hobby, some of those cards of Brett that are worth a thousand or two might go up to 5,000 just because there's a couple competitive collectors that are looking for those cards. You know, I like to give shout outs to um, other podcasts out there and you, you know, you're uh, for the hobby yours. Uh, I, I enjoy listening to your podcast, but also the house of Jordans, Chris, we were mentioning his uh, analytical work on some of these things. And one of his recent episodes, he talked about how when the price goes up and I, I've mentioned this too, is that the, the market then gets flooded and, and then that causes the price to go down a little bit. Jeff Wilson talks about this on his sports card investors, you know, so that's all true, but some of the cards you're talking about, it's literally, and I know this from being there at the time, it's literally impossible to flood the market of these PMGs because they're not out there. And even though they're, even though these numbered cards that have a low number, the actual number may be even quite a bit lower. And so you can't flood the market. You know, there's not going to be a whole bunch of them all of a sudden come on where people, if they did, yeah, the price would probably moderate. But, the, but when they're truly scarce, but again, you've got to have somebody with deep pockets that not only is willing to pay that price, but um, is not expecting to necessarily flip it in the next year. You might be able to, but you might not. Yeah, a lot of those popular inserts from the 90s you saw get flooded into the market with the last dance of Jordan specifically and yes. Pippen and Rodman. Right. But those those grails or whales or whatever people want to call them, they're very hard to come by and they don't pop up very often. And if they do, it's one or two over months. It's I mean, there's certain it's certain big cards of those 90s players, specifically basketball and football, that some of them haven't come up in seven years. Right. And so that just shows how scarce they are. And, and but the beauty is that you can get your hands on some of the cheaper stuff. But, you know, that's what I think you're seeing is guys that couldn't afford the basketball with Zion or Luca or Jordan or Kobe have now got into football where they pick up some Brady's or Mahomes or some of their favorite players that are up and coming a Saquon Barkley or uh, their favorite player for their, their city uh, for you Cowboys, you know, having Zeke and Dak there and even Amari Cooper, you know, to go back and chase those cards, you're able to do that. And so I think you've seen a lot of growth in football just because people are unable to get some of those big cards or they're priced out on those big basketball cards. And yet, I mean, I agree with that, but I, I, I see bigger uh, differentials when you get back into the nineties and we're, we're not, we're basically talking about football compared to basketball, but even baseball, lags basketball you know in the in the late 90s of some of these very interesting inserts uh, again equivalent scarcity but not equivalent pricing yeah it seems to be that the big collectors who have deep pockets are just obsessed with the game of basketball and specifically kobe lebron jordan it's really three players that are at the the top of that pyramid so so you again the the dilemma for every listener is to figure out uh does that, is that going to be the enduring price? And does that mean that these other uh, equivalent football or baseball stars uh, need to be interpolated or extrapolated off, off the basketball standard? Is basketball the new pace setter and that you're willing to pay, 
that, that makes football look like a bargain and baseball even look like a bargain on some of those. Is that, is that what you're seeing? I mean, I, I, I don't want to turn you into a, a prognosticator, but is that what you're seeing or, or, or frankly, do you see it going that way? Yeah. Yeah. Basketball has set the bar and has really been the benchmark for what a lot of these popular cards go for. And I think once you see those cards get popular with those superstars like Kobe and Jordan and LeBron, then on the football side, a lot of people are seeking those out. So specifically on the higher end, you're talking about PMGs and rubies and platinum medallions and flair legacy and things like that. So if you're talking the tip top, yeah, I think it's the, the top of the hobby is the benchmark and, and the bar has been set by basketball and the trickle down goes to football is specifically in the nineties to Favre and Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice. And then on baseball, Jeter and Griffey, really those two yeah. are at the top. And then from there, there's trickle down with those players too. But I think you see that by sport and then you see it by, you know, the superstars in baseball too. You have some prospects and Mike Trout. And then after that, there's a drop off. So I think the top of the pyramid is always going to be driven by basketball and those handful of superstars in every sport. You know, one thing I haven't heard talked about that much, you know, we, you know, you, you listened to the episode I had about shill bidding, but the antidote for shill bidding in some respects is visibility. And my hat's off to the advanced basketball play, uh, collectors who seem to be more willing and you're, you're the Instagram guy and, you know, and all these other social media things, especially Instagram where you can show very visual uh, medium, you know, the, the basketball advanced collectors really like to show off their cards. Whereas back in my day, people were a lot more private about what they had. They, I don't know if it was theft or envy, but they, 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 they wouldn't, they put their stuff in a safe deposit box, which actually I do that myself, but basketball collectors that are advanced, they, they get that card. So it wasn't shill bid because they, you know who bought it. You know they paid real money. It wasn't a, a fake bid. And they're bragging about what they paid. And they don't, you know, the shill bidders, the, the, the way you make money on shill bidding is driving up the price because you've got maybe others or it, it, it affects others than just that one card. But some of these, the basketball sales are very visible, almost braggadocious. And um, again, that, that puts people out of the, you know, out from behind the shadows to say, hey, this is real. And so, to me, that's a positive. Yeah, and I think it's only going to make the prices go up even more when someone posts that they paid nine hundred thousand dollars for a card, or you see the Jordan that so publicly, and then the Brady so publicly went for three hundred fifty and four hundred thousand. By putting that out there, those prices will only go up. You know, Brady's legacy and Jordan's legacy are cemented, so those cards won't go down. It will just get more attention to those cards, and more people, specifically the flippers or investors or high rollers, will be interested in the hobby. So I think the equivalent of posting a card on Instagram that's worth a million dollars is kind of like driving up to the party in a Ferrari. You know, it's a little bit of a, hey, guys, I'm here and and check out what I got. And um, so it's interesting. And I think the beauty is the guys that are buying these cards aren't just trying to flex them. There are a couple kind of actors and guys that are doing that. But the true basketball collectors that are doing that, I know for a fact, I'm friendly with a lot of them. They absolutely love the cards. They are obsessed with and love the hobby and the cards, which, you know, is is encouraging and, and a beautiful thing. Well, I, I think you're right. You know, the, uh, you've talked to a lot more of them than I have. But I mean, it seems like they have an appreciation of the beauty and rarity of what they paid big bucks for. And they're not afraid to tell people, and they're not embarrassed about it. I, I don't know that if it's just a matter of money, that's that's the Ferrari driving up in the Ferrari. But when there's uh, the thrill of the chase, the hunt, the uh, the research, um, the strategy, uh, you know, some of your contemporaries are are uh, really looking at this in a in a in a way that's not that simplistic, where they're uh, uh, they they have a, a quest, they have a quest, and they're delighted and to tell people that they 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 found their holy grail. Yeah, and they're not afraid to share their quest, which I think is the amazing part of Instagram and social media is we can see the chase. We can see other collectors, what they're collecting. And then a lot of these cards get exchanged through those people specifically. 
person to person through Instagram, which is really impressive. Yeah, they know uh, people know who other people. But again, uh, just last question here because we're we're uh, out of time. Uh, that's not happening as much in football as it is in basketball. Should it be? Will it be? I think you're seeing it more and more with guys like Mahomes and Brady. They're bringing some attention to it, and then I think you're getting a lot of guys that are collecting those that are going back to look at their favorite players. And we've seen a rise in those '90s inserts from Marino, Elway. Favre, Barry, um, Joe Montana, even into the 80s and some of those rookies. So I think we're seeing the rise there. I think basketball will always be king, but I think depending on the prospects uh, and how many nostalgic people get back into the industry, I think you'll continue to see football grow. Uh, We're out of time. Thanks, Jordan. Always provocative. Uh, Unfortunately, listeners, neither Jordan nor myself are going to give you investment advice of what you should do other than uh, collect what you enjoy. And it it may wind up being very profitable, but uh, we can't guarantee that. But we can guarantee you'll have fun if you're going after base, uh, basketball, baseball, or football, or even hockey or NASCAR, or whatever. Uh, collect what you love, and um, but again, do some research on the on the rarity and the relative rarity because that that may be uh, that that'd be helpful. So thanks, Jordan. Thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode.